Well, good morning. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 22. Psalms 22, as we look at the second part of Psalms 22. And if you're new with us, let me welcome you, but also just make you aware. This is actually one sermon I've preached in two weeks. And so you may want to go back online and pull up the, the first sermon and so that you understand the whole context of Psalms 22. And also, uh, just so you're aware, in case it happens, we're we're located downtown, Kings Mountain, and our church is, and I can almost throw a rock to the railroad tracks and the road, and so if you hear some noise, we're, we're glad that you're part of our community, because this is part of ours, and uh, so just wanted to give you fair warning today. We are worshiping with you online. We're also worshiping uh, outside this morning at the same time, and so we're glad you are here with us. Psalms 22, I'm going to pick up in verse 22. Let's read this passage together. Psalms 22. This is a psalm of David, beginning in verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to Comment to the coming generations, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, unborn, that he has done it. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, as we gather together, Lord, some outside today and some online today, Lord, we seek you. We come to you in the midst of either our mountaintops or our valleys, whether we're experiencing the the best times of our life or the worst, Lord, we bring them all to you today because you are our God. You are our Father. So teach us today how we might be brought from lament to thanksgiving, from anguish to joy because of your steadfast love. Comfort your people. Gather your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the last two weeks we've had one main idea. The Lord and his people are delivered from anguish to joy by the steadfast love of God. David is teaching us something. He's teaching the Lord's people that in times of distress, lament is the biblical means to joy. Let me say that again. This is important this morning. We connect this together. That in the Bible, 
Lament is the biblical means to joy. So we want to understand this this morning that David places this psalm, Psalms 22, here intentionally. And we're going to see that this morning. He goes from anguish to joy. He goes from lament to thanksgiving. As I thought about how to illustrate this question, the question is, how do we respond during tragedy? And this is a really bad illustration, intentionally so. Imagine you made an ice cream cone out of sour milk, maybe even it's clabbered. You ever took a drink from a milk jug that's old? You, you know what I'm talking about. Imagine that you have an ice cream cone and that someone's made that to you and they give that to you. you, you have, you're going to respond in potentially two ways. You could do this. You could take it over there if you've ever been to Dairy Queen and they dip it in chocolate or butterscotch or something. You can just dip that sour ice cream cone in chocolate. And then you could even post for Facebook and saying, hey, blessed, look at the chocolate. All the while simply ignoring the sour milk that's on the inside. And it hasn't changed. Or you could take a bite of that sour and say, why in the world would someone give me a sour ice cream cone. Brothers and sisters, this is oftentimes two ways we respond to tragedy. Either to simply cover it up and refuse to face it as if it does not exist, or to question, how can a good God give me something like this? David, I think if we look at Psalms 22 and understand his message, he was not only saying, you've got... You're choosing two wrong alternatives. He would even say, you need to throw out the illustration. Because see, what David has taught us, that we can face the distress of our life honestly and head on by bringing it to the Lord. And at the same time, we should bring our faith, the promises of God, to the Lord and fight in biblical lament with both. This is what he has given us today that we can resolutely face two sets of facts, the adversity we go through and our God who does not change. And in that, be brought to joy. Lament is meant to lead us to comfort. In other words, Psalms 22 is meant to lead us to Psalms 23. We go from lament to the comfort of our shepherd. Literally, David is wanting to usher the people of God into the arms of the shepherd this morning, and so do we. And so the Lord and his people are delivered to joy by the steadfast love of God. Let's look at the people of the Lord first. As you remember, this is a psalm not only about David and about the the Lord's people, Israel. It's also about our Lord who experienced anguish and now has been brought to joy. Let's look at the people of the Lord first. Notice the mood change in verse 21. We looked at this last week. You can see the first line. It says, save me from the mouth of the lion. This basically summarized the whole 21 verses so far. Just pleading for help, not understanding why this is happening. Remember Psalms 1, why, Lord, have you forsaken me? Why are you not answering my prayers? And notice the second line of verse 21. This is the transition. You have rescued me. From the horns of the wild oxen. This is the transition. Look at verse 22. When when he gets to to, uh, verse 22. Things have changed. 
He says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Do you notice the context here? Look with me in verse 22. There are brothers. There is a congregation. That word means assembly. The same thing we use in the New Testament when they say the ecclesia, the gathering of God's people. Verse 23, it's those who fear the Lord. You see, those who fear the Lord are the people of, of God. They are gathered together. In other words, the context of this is a worship service of the gathered people of God. It is a corporate worship service. And they have gathered now not only to lament to God in their distress, but to give thanks to Him. He has been covenantly faithful. Look at verse 23. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. And stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel. When you see the word offspring, you need to immediately think covenant. It's what David's thinking when he says that. God has made us a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Based off his promises, we need to praise him. We need to glorify him. We need to stand in awe of him. That's what they're doing in the midst of their distress. They bring their distress to him. And in the second part... They worship him. This steadfast love of God and the idea of the steadfast love of God. There's a whole psalm. It's about the, it says it over and over and over again in Psalms 136. Let me just read you three verses. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2, Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. We see that his steadfast love has acted, verse 24, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not left their prayers unanswered. He has not forsaken them. This is what they are saying. He has not hidden his face. He has heard their cry and he has answered. You see, this promise... For David, and a promises that God, the Lord has given us, is with us in the valleys, in the pit, it is with us on the mountaintops. As Pastor Mike has already talked to us about. The Lord of Lord hears, the Lord of Lord sees, and the Lord of Lord loves, and it never changes, despite how we feel. This is also true of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember him on the cross? We've already been singing about it. He was delivered to joy. Remember, we looked at that last week. He was put on public display and shamed. And now, public praise. Hebrews 12, Pastor Mike has already read it. You need to mark that. We're going we're gonna to look at this three times. Pastor Mike has did it once. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again later. Hebrews 12, there's two and three. This is looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, verse 3, who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. i got to get me a good quote from Spurgeon. You know, Spurgeon said it this way, All saints should unite in the song. No tongue may be silent. No heart may be cold. Christ calls us to glorify God, and how can we refuse? The answer is, you shouldn't be able to. You can't. 
Not if you understand the steadfast love of God. You will be delivered to joy. The people are not only delivered to joy. I want you to see in verse 25 that they, they gathered together in corporate worship to devote themselves anew, afresh to the Lord. Verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. Not going to say much here. We know this, I, I hope. When we gather together, we gather for worship, for praise, for to present an offering to God. Not, not as if we have to earn forgiveness or earn our sin. We do it out of devotion, out of our love for him, because he has set his love on us. That's what we are doing today as we have gathered together. We have gathered together to devote ourselves to the Lord. And you only do that when you have been delivered to joy. The people of the Lord not only are delivered to joy, they not only gather to devote themselves, but notice verse 26. They're going to be satisfied in the Lord. Verse 26, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live Forever. I love this word satisfaction, this word satisfied. You see that? You know what that means? It means to eat one's fill. It is if the Lord has set a table and it is full and we eat until we are filled, we are full because I can't eat another bite. Psalms 90. What is this that we are satisfied with? Psalms 90, verse 13 and 14. You need to look at that psalm. Psalms 90, verse 13. Notice the lament. It says this, Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Verse 14, Satisfy us in the morning with what? Your steadfast love. Why? What is the result of this satisfaction? Well, look at the second line of verse 14. That we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Matter of fact, Psalms 23 says it this way. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The enemies are still there. And God has set a table before his people. They're in his presence. They are worshiping. And they are satisfied because of the promises and the steadfast love of God. Their cup is overflowing. Their enemies are watching on but can do nothing to stop the steadfast love of God. This is what Jesus said of himself. Do you remember John 6 and verse 51? I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus is our bread of life. It is he and he only that satisfies us. And his love and the cross proves it. The people of the Lord are delivered to joy. They have gathered together to devote themselves to be satisfied only through the steadfast love of God. Enemies watching on. Here's what he's He's calling to do. Now he turns into a little missionary. Verse 27 to 31. The people of the Lord will lead the nations to praise the Lord. Why does he go here, brothers and sisters? This is important. Look at verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. 
Here is the illustration I have in my mind, and I think if David was here and I could talk to him, he would agree with this illustration. The Lord's people have been redeemed and gathered together. Could I ask you something? Whether it's now or maybe it was when you were young, were you ever part of the choir? The choir, you remember what they would, they, the choir would do? They would stand in front of the people. I ask you a question, and you know the answer. Why is a choir there? What's the purpose of a choir? Was it not to lead God's people? What's the purpose of our praise team? Is it not to lead God's people? You see, this was the purpose of the choir. This was the people of Israel who were redeemed. The offspring of Abraham gathered together and was given a promise to declare God's praise, the steadfast love of God to the nations. Here's the promise. You can see it verse in verse 27, 28, 29. The nations will remember. The nations will turn. The nations will worship. And the nations will bow. Verse 31 says this. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. What are they proclaiming? That he has done it. Listen, brothers and sisters. One day, the nations will bow and declare one thing is finished. Yahweh has finished it. Do you realize this this morning? You have been redeemed so that precisely when we walk through the valleys, we are calling other people to praise the Lord. The Lord is walking with us through the valley. We are encouraging suffering souls to sing along with us. The Lord has not only given you himself, he has given you two Ps, the people of the Lord and the promises of God. And both of them are precious. Psalms 86 and verse 9 gives us a promise. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and glorify your name. Can I go back to my example? The choir. I've been in church a long time in, the, in, the, in, the, in ministry and active since I was a little child. I've seen a lot of things. And I know this never happened at your church. Hypothetically, let's say. Did you ever experience this in the choir? People would quit the choir. I quit the choir. I've heard it a hundred times. I quit the choir. Why? You ever pressed in on that? Well, it used to be, you know, the, the, the choir director or the worship leader, he'd pick soloists to sing. And, and if he didn't pick the right one, if he didn't pick the person that they wanted to, or if they le got left unpicked, they got their feelings hurt, and they would quit the choir. Maybe somebody didn't acknowledge them as much as they needed to. What's the problem there? They have forgotten the purpose of the choir. The purpose of the choir is not to make much of them. The purpose of the choir is to make much of the Lord as they lead a people to do that. They lead them in worship. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you quit the choir? Have you stopped singing because you have this warped paradigm that you either got to act like there's no distress in your life 
or act as if God is unfair because of what he has put on your plate. God has called us to the choir. You remember those robes, brothers and sisters, we used to wear when we were in the choir? The Lord Jesus Christ covered you with the robe of his righteousness at the cost of his own blood. It's not your robe. It's his And He has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has adopted us in order that we may sing His name. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Is the Lord actively turning your lament into thanksgiving? Is He actively turning your sorrow to joy? And brothers and sisters, you know this. Let's just acknowledge it. There's no light switch to grief. There's no light switch to this. There is no easy button to suffering. You can't just flip trauma in your life off. We must fight for this. And brothers and sisters, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes what we hear on the radio station is not helping you. It's not helping you. All we need to do is cover it with positive and encouraging thoughts. No, brothers and sisters, according to God's words, we must lament. We must speak to the Lord honestly about how we feel. And we must grab hold of the faith of the promises of our unchanging God. And fight with both at the same time. And God has given us a promise. He's told Jesus, can you hear him? Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. We only experience rest as we bring both our distress and our faith to the Lord. The key to this whole second half is verse 31. For you see, it was the Lord on the cross that declared it is finished. Yahweh finished it. What did he finish? He was forsaken for us, experienced anguish for us. Why? Well, here we go back right back to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Do you remember the context of Hebrews 12? Remember Pastor Micah read it for us, verse 1, because of the cloud of witnesses? Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11. Do you remember Abraham, Sarah, Joshua, Samson, Rahab? All these imperfect people persevered by faith. They are the witnesses. Can I ask you? How's your cloud today? You've forgotten your cloud? Have you forgotten that grandparent that give up their freedom to invest in your life? Have you forgotten the cloud of witnesses who persevered by faith? Do you feel like quitting today? Well, so did the Hebrews. They felt like quitting. They were tired of suffering. They didn't understand why God just don't take this away. And so in Hebrews 12, they were reminded of Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith. who Some of them went through suffering their whole life, and they did it because of the promises of God. And it is if to say, if Abraham is not a good enough witness for you, if Isaac, if Jacob, if Joshua, if Samson, if Sarah, if Rahab... It's not for you. Verse 2, look to Jesus, the founder 
He's not the one who simply lived by faith. He is the founder of your faith. He is the author of your faith. And he is the perfecter of your faith. Why didn't Jesus endure the shame and the anguish? Look at it for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. Do you see that? Why? Because of the joy. It was for joy that he endured. What was that joy? We'll see it. It is to be at the right hand of the throne of God. It is to be with his Father. Back with this steadfast love of God. He longed for it just like we do. Consider him, verse 3, who endured hostility. Romans 8.18 reminds us we need to look to him. We endure distress. Why? Because of the joy set before us. Romans 8.18 For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. We need to consider him who endured and was rescued. And therefore, do you see it? We don't grow weary. Why? Why? Well, this is why David put Psalms 23 after Psalms 22. And so here's what I'd like you to do. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask the congregation outside to stand if you want to stand in your living room this is God's word this is God's promise to you this is true today in your life as it was to David as it was the very people of God Psalms 23 let's read it together the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brothers and sisters, let us now, as the Lord's choir, sing in the victory. Not simply for it. For it has already been purchased and provided and promised. We sing in it. So brothers and sisters, let us now practice the message. Let us do what God has called us to do. Let us sing to the nations. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the victory that you provided through the anguish of your own son. Thank you. Thank you that we can come to you no matter how we feel. That we can come to you and simply tell you how we feel. Thank you that you have given us precious promises that never change. Thank you that you are unchanging, that you are abiding, that you are immovable, and that you have set your steadfast love on us, your people, who have been called by your name. 
Oh God, would you help your people see this this morning? We are the nations that were promised to Abraham. We have been redeemed, Lord, by the mercy and sacrifice of your son. May the redeemed of the Lord stand and sing in victory today. May we live tomorrow in the victory that you have given us for the glory of your name, so that the nations might be glad in you, God. Make it so. Bring us today, in the midst of our cancer, in the midst of our criticism, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our Parkinson's, in the midst of our, our headaches or our sicknesses and the things that we cannot change, God satisfies with your presence and with your promise and with the people of God that you have given us. And even so, we ask you, come Lord Jesus, for we long to be with you. And until then, we will sing in the victory of your Son, in whose name we pray, Jesus the Christ. Amen.